All right. So, yeah, good morning, church family. I'm Josh. And, yeah, uh, J.D. asked me to preach today. And, yeah, first I want to, I think, kind of well for such a great uh, community message. Thanks for that. And Travis uh, for the contribution message. And uh, I also want to thank J.D. for allowing me on stage, uh, let alone preaching. So I appreciate that. And for, yeah, just for uh, taking a chance and letting all the youth uh, serve today. And it's been a huge blessing, I think. And so, yeah, I've been leading the teens, uh, as you know, with Sarah for the, uh, almost a year now. And it's been a huge blessing. And uh, it's been a big joy, too. It's been a lot of fun. We went rock climbing on Friday. So that was a blast and one of the perks of being a teen lead. And it's also been a lot of work, uh, way more than I expected. But it's, uh, it's a blessing. And I'm sure some of your parents know what I'm talking about as far as being a joy and uh, a ton of work, too. But I enjoy it and I wouldn't trade it. And yeah, so uh, this past few weeks, JD's been preaching on the gospel, and uh, that's something that's really impact, uh, impacted me, and uh, it's super important. And so today I wanted to focus on uh, preaching about how those who follow Jesus preach this gospel of redemption that's found in him, and also live a life that reflects Jesus. And yeah, so for those who don't know, gospel literally means good news. And so that got me thinking, like, what's the best news that you've ever received. And that could be like the birth of a child, uh, Georgia winning the national championship. That's one of my favorites. Uh, it could be uh, healed from sickness, cured, uh, having like being cancer free. Uh, those are all like great things, good news. And so I thought uh, as an example, we look at a famous example in history, which is uh, the legend of uh, Philippides, who was a Greek marathon runner. And he was actually the, the first marathon runner. He ran from, and that's a drawing of him. Uh, so he ran from a marathon to Athens to deliver the good news of a victory in battle. But he died while doing it. And so some uh, background. Uh, so this guy was a soldier and he fought, it was the Greeks versus Persians. And the Greeks came out victorious and he was on the winning side. But Philippides, he saw a Persian ship in the distance set sail for Athens, the capital of Greece. And he realized that if they got there first, they would deliver, they might trick them and deliver the news that Persia actually won. That would cause chaos, that would cause panic. They might start looting the city. So in his mind, he said, okay, I have to beat them there. I have to race the ship to Athens to, to let them know of the victory that we have. And so legend has it that he started running and he stripped all his armor off. And he even like stripped Rich's clothes off since he didn't want to be burdened by anything. And I wonder like what his fellow soldiers were thinking. Maybe they thought like, wow, he's really excited about this victory. Like he's our first streaker. And or like or maybe they might they might be wondering, like, oh, we have horses, like why is he running? But but this guy didn't care. Like, he was so excited that he just took off on foot this he just booked it, this naked guy, and it worked. He uh he made it to Athens before the ship did, and he had a full on sprint for 25 miles, and as he got there, he told them the good news, like, we're victorious, we're, we won, like, we don't have anything to worry about, and then he died, and the people started celebrating, and not because he died, but because he told them about this victory, and this was, like, a huge moment in the Greek culture, and this was a, and I, I was, I'd like to think, like, how relieved they must have felt, like, they don't know the outcome of this victory, they didn't have, like, telephones or satellites, so they were probably worried for a long time, but once they received this news of victory, and it's a victory that he wanted to share even if it cost him his life, and he was able to uh, 
help the city and help save them. And so yeah, uh, so let's turn to, with that in mind, sharing the good news, uh, let's turn to Acts uh, chapter 1. And we'll look at verses 4 to 8. And it says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus had been spending 40 days with them. This is after he's been resurrected. And he's been spending 40 days with them. He's been teaching them. He's been instructing them. And this is one of his final meals with them. And he gives them a command, and he gives them a promise. And the command was wait. And the promise was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think a lot of times waiting can be the hardest command we receive from God. And it could be something like, for them it was waiting for this gift. But for us, it could be like waiting for a situation to change, waiting for us to uh, maybe like waiting for a relationship or waiting for our relationships to be healed, whether it's like children with parents, like waiting for them to understand you or parents with children, like waiting them for them to obey you. But in either case, it's waiting can be hard. And I think it's or yeah, whatever the conflict is. And a lot of times we don't we can't see God working in the background. But here we do, and and I think the response is uh, pretty telling, and it's pretty relatable, too. They respond by saying, okay, so are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And that's uh, kind of a, a shallow response because they're still focused on their present issues. And it's relatable since like we might, it doesn't make it go away. But and, and it's not surprising either because the Jewish people were suppressed by the Romans for, for a very long time. And, just by different kingdoms throughout history. So so it's been on the top of the Jewish people's minds for hundreds of years. And so, yeah, they're wondering, like, okay, Jesus is back from the dead. He's, like, they can't kill him. So maybe at this time Jesus will, like, overthrow the Romans. But Jesus helps refocus them. And he has a greater kingdom in mind, greater than the kingdom of Israel. That's the kingdom of heaven. And so he tells them, yeah, uh, it's not for you to know the time or the hour. And I think for our problems when we pray, a lot of times we don't know the time or the hour when those prayers will get answered, when all the problems will get fixed. But it's up to us to wait into, like what Jesus says, we still have to go out and preach the gospel, to preach the good news. And so Jesus refocuses them. And a lot of times we expect God to do all the work. But here God's telling them, Jesus is telling them, no, it's you. You guys are going to be the ones spreading the gospel, spreading the good news. So, yeah, I, th I think that's uh, pretty important. It's an important thing to remember. And I like the end of verse 8 also, since it sets a progression of how the word is preached. Uh, it starts in, like, your local city. So for them, it was Jerusalem. And then it expands out to the countryside, to so Judea and Samaria. And then eventually Jesus tells them, this will be preached, like, throughout the whole world. But you have to start locally first. And that's what uh, they do, and that's what we'll see going forward. So now let's turn to, should be on the same page, so Acts chapter 2, and we'll look at verses 1 to 4. 
So it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, so this is the promise fulfilled. They didn't have to wait too long for this prayer, but they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's the same Spirit that we have today. And the first thing that stands out to me, though, in this scripture is how they're all together at Pentecost. These disciples took fellowship pretty serious. So they were hanging out all the time. And even Jesus, when he sends them out two by two, he sends them out together because that's how important it is for disciples to be together, for Christians to just to be fellowshipping with each other so we can encourage each other. And, yeah, so I think our church actually does a pretty good job of the fellowshipping, like whether it's breaking bread. Yeah, I've seen the way you guys eat. <laughs> so we, we love it. So, so it's, been, it's pretty good. And uh, at Fall Festival, yeah, everyone came out and supported, so I thought that was awesome, too. Even the teen events, like rock climbing. So I think it's a lot of fun fellowshipping, and it's important. But uh, something that I need to work more on is actually, like, talking to people who are outside my, like, immediate fellowship, my uh, non-Christian friends. And it's, it's fun talking to them, and it's fun uh, hanging out with, like, non-Christians, too. But I need to be more intentional, since it's easy for me to be in my comfort zone, just hang out at church, since I have so many friends here. But uh, God gives us a mission to also, like, hey, we got to love other people, and that means people outside the church, and also to preach the gospel. And, yes, another thing that's cool is it's said it's a baptism that's like tongues of fire. And so the gift of redemption we have received is powerful, and we should have a spirit of fire like that. And if you've ever seen a fire, which all of you have, it doesn't want to be contained. But it wants to spread naturally. You can't contain. It should be like a wildfire. That's how we should be in Huntsville. It should be like a crazy forest fire that's burning through Huntsville of preaching, though, that this gospel of redemption. And so, yeah, so are we on fire like they are? They immediately, as they get baptized, they just start preaching. As they start speaking about what just happened. We should be doing the same thing. Since we can't contain it, the fire wants to grow and spread, not diminish. And another thing that's pretty interesting is how it says it was preceded by a violent... Of the blowing of a violent wind. And the Greek word for wind is the same for breath and spirit. And it's important to remember that this baptism, and the baptism we have in the church, is God-breathed. And if you remember, Jesus told the parable of what the spirit is like, how it's like wind. Like, you can't tell where it's going, where it's coming from, but you can see its effects. And we should be the same way we should be able to see the effect that the Spirit has on us. Like, are we moving our community? Are we uh, making a ruckus in a positive way? And if you look at Genesis 2-7, it says, then the, Lord, uh, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So we see how God breathes life into Adam. That, how transformative that is. He goes from just a non-living, unconscious thing to a living, breathing, conscious man. That's a big transformation. In the same way, we should be transformed, and it should be that dramatic as well as Christians. We should be going from dead spiritually when we receive this gift of baptism to alive. And so, yeah, this is a great part of the good news is how God breathes into us, kind of like he did with Adam and the violent wind that you see and 
uh, the Book of Acts that this is giving me life. And you do see the transformation with the, the disciples there to receive this gift. So yeah, how often are we sharing our faith and talking to others and loving others? So that's pretty cool. Now let's turn to, or uh, same chapter, if we go to verses 5 to 6, we see the, the effect of this baptism. And it says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. And then it proceeds to list all the different languages that were being spoken. And this is because it was Pentecost, a Jewish festival. So Jews from all over the world had gathered into Jerusalem. And there's like a dozen languages that they hear being spoken. And then in verse 13, it says, Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. So we see here the message is being preached. And it is preached immediately when they get the spirit. And the that's, we should have that same reaction because we have that same spirit. We should immediately want to preach this gospel. And this drew a crowd who heard the message being preached. And when we preach, we should it should make a difference. It should draw a crowd. Something should stand out about the message we're preaching. And this is important. And one of the things that Jesus said earlier was preach it to the whole world. And they start in Jerusalem, but... It's Jews from all over the world, so it's it's easy to reach the world when the world is in your city, and I and I think Huntsville is also big. It's very diverse, so we have that opportunity here to to preach the word just to people like around us, people at our jobs, our friends at high school or college, and it can make an impact too. Since I think uh, we see how Paul uh, how the gospel spreads, and Paul writes to churches that he hasn't even visited, and I like to think that some of those churches were founded by the people here in Jerusalem who heard this preached the first time by Peter. And and they, these guys received the gift of tongues, too. And it, I think that shows how God will meet people where we're at, and God wants to be understood and to be heard. And he'll help us understand, too. And it's about what Paul says, like being all things to all people. We should be presenting the gospel in a way where it's actually presentable to people, where they're willing to, uh, or they're able to understand it better. Here we see it happen supernaturally. So they're speaking literally in the people's own languages just so they can understand it. And I think that's something uh, we could do uh, too, or I could do better. And I found an example in history that kind of illustrates this, and a negative example. So... Uh, this was this is a picture of uh, Spanish conquistadors, and so in the 1500s, when the New World was discovered, uh, Spain got very interested because they heard there was gold involved, and they loved gold, and they also had like a Spanish or a, a Catholic king and queen, so they were also interested in converting the native people to uh, Christianity, but they loved gold first, and then that was their second goal. So. So yeah, they uh, they encountered these Incas, and the Spanish people learned, the Spanish conquistadors learned that they had quite a bit of gold, but they le also learned that they didn't just want to give them the gold, and it was difficult to trade for it. So they thought, okay, well, the king and queen want us to try to convert them. So the uh, the lead uh, conqueror literally like pulled out a Spanish Bible and he gave it to the Incas, and they didn't speak Spanish and they didn't know how to read. 
But so the, the Inca king looked at it and said, okay, your god is a book, and he kind of like tossed it aside. And then the, the conquistador said, okay, well, we tried, they rejected us, so now let's go conquer them. And they went ahead and uh, destroyed that whole civilization. And they got a lot of gold from it, too. So we see this is kind of the, uh, the wrong way to do it, since we have to ask ourselves, like, why are we preaching the gospel? Are we doing it to make ourselves feel good? These people gave them the Bible because they, just to clear the conscience. Like, well, they rejected them. But they, uh, their true heart was they just wanted gold, and they would do anything to get it, including uh, misuse the gospel. And I think like we need to ask ourselves, like, why are we preaching the gospel? Are we doing it to make ourselves feel better? What gold are we after? It could be like a relationship. Like maybe you're preaching only to certain people because you want to date them. Or maybe you're uh, ignoring people because you don't want to talk to them. So an example of that would be, he's like, hey, do you want to study the Bible? And then they say no. And you're like, well, I tried. But he's like, you didn't really try. You didn't love them. You didn't take time to get to know them. And even if you don't uh, get along with them, we still have to reach everyone. And that's what Jesus did. So, so yeah, are we afraid of being burdened by other people? Is that where we're not, like, preaching the gospel? And that's something uh, we need to think about. And, yeah, another thing to think about is, like, God, how God meets us where we're at. And, yeah, we should try to meet people in the same way. And uh, one of the guys in the previous uh, verse, verse 13, thought they were drunk. And we should be that same way, too, as far as, uh, being different, like we should stand out from the rest of society. So, uh, yeah. So Christians in the early church were different from the rest of the larger Roman society. They rejected all other gods and only worshipped the one God revealed in Jesus. They challenged the social order by welcoming the lower class and by valuing every human life. Uh, the gospel didn't just change the eternal address of a believer at death, but also affected how they lived too. And the gospel also changed every aspect of how early Christians lived in this world. So, and that's the power of the gospel, and that's the power of God. How they looked and acted so different, but it was positive. They were loving people that society didn't love. They were preaching to people who people, uh, society ignored. So now let's go to uh, go further down into uh, Acts two. We'll read verses thirty-four and thirty-six. And as pretext, so Peter, after they accuse him of being drunk, Peter uses uh, Old Testament scripture in Joel and then explains the gospel to them. He explains how uh, yeah, Joel was talking about what God will pour out his spirit on the people in the last days. And yeah, and then he preaches the gospel. And then in verse 34, he says, For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool of three feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So it's pretty interesting how uh, Peter uses these Old Testament scriptures. I think this is kind of meet, meeting people where they're at, since he's preaching to God-fearing Jews. So they, they're going to respond to Old Testament. They understand it very well. And it's easy to think when we read the Bible that it doesn't apply to us directly. But Peter here in Joel and then here in, uh, in Psalms with David, he explains how the time they're talking about way back then, that's happening this day. And for us, we need to remember that too, that uh, yeah, the, like the same spirit that they have, the same mission that Jesus gave them, 
the same work that Jesus did, we have that same mission today. All the same things apply to us. So when we use scripture, we should also remember how it applies to us and how we should preach it. And it's easy uh, to miss like the current blessing and focus on the current problem that we have. So for them, that was focusing on the Roman role. But for us, that could be school or work or whatever it is. And we could ignore the blessings that God has given them. And Peter's explaining it to them. That's this, uh, this gospel, this uh, Jesus who they crucified, but he's now Lord and Messiah and will save them. And so, yeah, so we're seeing how, like, why it's important to preach the gospel. And I think this is a great example of my other point I want to make is, like, why it's important to know the gospel and know the scripture. And let's turn to, so I'm going to go to the Old Testament. It's in uh, 2 Samuel, uh, chapter 18. And I have it on the screen here. So verse 24 says, While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates, the watchman went up to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked out, he saw a man running alone. And so for some background, uh, David's son Absalom was trying to overthrow David and become king of Israel. And so there's a, almost a civil war and there's a battle going on. And David is waiting to hear the results of the battle. And he wants his son to be kept alive, to be captured alive and not dead. And he's waiting on a messenger to deliver that news. And then in verse 20 to 30, it says, Then Ahimez called out to the king, all is well. He bowed down before the king with his face to the ground and said, Praise be to the Lord your God. He has delivered up those who lifted their hands against my lord the king. The king asked, Is the young man Absalom safe? Ahimez answered, I saw great confusion just as Joab was about to send the king's servant to me, your servant, but I don't know what it was. The king said, Stand aside and wait here. So he stepped aside and stood there. And I also found a verse in Proverbs uh, 26 6 that said, Sending a message by the hands of a fool is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. So we see here, Ahimaz is the fool here. He sprints the whole way to, uh, to David to deliver news, but it's the wrong news. David only cares about whether his son is alive or not. He doesn't have that. He just says, oh, I don't know. I just saw a commotion over there. So that'd be like if uh, Philippides, the marathon runner, if he got to Athens and, and said, yeah, um, there's a great battle, but yeah, I don't know who won. That's not telling them anything. And then if he just died after that, people are like, okay, that guy was useless. Like He didn't tell us any good information. And so same with here. We see uh, Ahimez, he gets there, but he doesn't know what happened. And he, so he basically preached the wrong message to David. So that's why it's important to know the message we're pre preaching, but also know the people we're preaching to. Since we need to be able to present the gospel in a way to people that is uh, easy to them and also that is pre uh, presentable to them. And so we see Peter in Acts, he uses prophecy as a witness about Jesus. And he also like explains it to them logically so they can understand it. And so these, as I said before, these people are Jewish, Jewish, so they really understand Old Testament scripture, which is why Peter uses it. And so he explains the hope we have and connects it to the Holy Spirit. He explains how it's all a part of the same story, and we're a part of that story too. And yeah, we see, uh, so the same mission that Peter is on is ours. The same command that Jesus gave is ours, and the same promise from God is ours. And it's up to us to respond to that. 
And in the, in the verse in Acts that Peter quotes, he's actually repeating what Jesus said in Luke 20. So it's cool to see how Peter is able to learn from his teacher and use the same verse, the same scripture, to, just, uh, to explain how Jesus is the Messiah. And it's important for us to also learn from our teachers. Like I've learned from JD, and we can all learn uh, from each other to, to preach this gospel. And my final point is how we should be the message that we're preaching. And so we see how Peter's response here is mature and godly. And this is the opposite of the Peter we see in the Gospels. Peter is impulsive, and he doesn't really think before he acts. And we see that in, if you remember, the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he's approached by Romans trying to arrest Peter, or uh, trying to arrest Jesus. And Peter goes ahead and takes a swing with a sword, and he chops the guy's ears off, or one ear off. And Peter's a fisherman, so he's not the best swordsman. So he wasn't... It, he wasn't aiming for the ear. He was trying to he's trying to chop his whole head off, but he totally missed. So we see yeah, Peter tries to kill a guy to protect Jesus. And I guarantee you that's not the right way to preach the gospel. And I think but sometimes uh, Christians on like social media or just in the world can be very defensive and very uh, aggressive with the way we preach, and that's that's like the totally wrong attitude to have. And then so after that in the courtyard when Jesus is on trial, we see Peter question about Jesus, and he denies Jesus three times. So he goes from trying to kill a guy to being a complete coward, and he runs away and cries. And from all that, in Acts 2, now we see him boldly preaching the gospel. So what has changed? And he's had an experience with the resurrected Jesus, and he has the Holy Spirit. And that has completely transformed him. And, yeah, so that's... Uh, a very like encouraging thing since it shows that we can change too. We can be more like God. And yeah, so I like that verse. Uh, it, it's cool to see him change. Let's see. And uh, so yeah, and all it took for Peter to preach this was some guy asking like, "Are you drunk?" And he goes on like uh, one of the greatest sermons of all time, and he, three thousand people it says are baptized that day. And so we see this change, and all it took was him uh, preaching the gospel of redemption. And we could see how, he, how he's living is also changed. And that's people's experience with Christianity. A lot of times it's how we're acting. So people might ask, like, wow, why is he so generous? Or why does he care so much about me? And it should be because of the love we have for God and for other people. And we see that in... Uh, another great example of being the message is in Acts chapter 16, in verses 25 to 31. And it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. So Paul's thoughts immediately went to the prison guard, who had just previously had them in chains. And 
Paul has gone from killing Christians to now he's saved a life and made a Christian. And we should have that mentality of being the gospel for people and uh, trying to like save as many people as possible. And so we're free to preach the gospel. And we see how uh, it's not just like preaching the message and knowing it, but being the message is so important. And yeah, so our goal should be to get as many people to heaven as possible. And that should tra- transcend all earthly divisions, all like small problems that we have. And I heard that there's a stat that every second two people die. And that should impact us because there's 7 billion people in the world. Odds are like every, t- uh, every second two people are dying. And like, how does that affect us? Like, do we care about these people? Like, are these people, do these people love God? Do they have a relationship with God? So that should compel us to reach out to others, others that we don't know or that are close to us in school or at work. And uh, if we don't have a desire to evangelize, then there's some disconnect between us and the gospel. And where that disconnect is, uh, it depends on you and God. Like, I don't know where that is, but uh, it's there. And we need to try to like, find out why or what's holding us back from that, since we've seen how Peter's changed and Paul. Peter can't help but preach the gospel to a complete group of strangers, and it works. And so my last point, I'm going to make uh, a very wise friend uh, point this out to me. So that's a picture of caterpillars. And uh, you can see that it's destroying, a group of them are destroying leaves. And they like to like form together, form into like small armies, and then destroy huge amounts of crops, and they'll eat like all our food, all the grass. These guys are pretty destructive. And people just want to step on them and crush them. Or at least I do. I don't know about other people. But we see here that, look at this. That's so nice looking. And it's uh, pollinating the flowers. And it's in the nature of the caterpillar. No matter how good it wants to be, it can't help but destroy leaves. It'll eat those. And it's on a path of destruction. But a butterfly... It's in its nature to drink nectar and pollinate and uh, come into contact with like other flowers and produce like good fruit and a good kind of like a good harvest in a way. And not only that, but they get their sustenance from that nectar from pollinating, and that's how they live. And we should be the same way in the spirit. We were originally like those caterpillars on a path towards destruction, just eating and consuming. And no matter how good we want it to be, we were going to had stepped on. But we, uh, we see, once, we, uh, once it becomes a butterfly, it's, it's completely changed, and it's pollinating and actually like, helping things grow. And we should be the same way. And it'd be silly for a butterfly to go on living like a caterpillar, crawling on the ground and trying to eat. It doesn't work that way. So we should be uh, completely changed. So uh, I hope you guys realize that We must preach the story of Jesus and the good news of redemption. And uh, to God be the glory. Amen.